Now, today we're continuing our series called Ask It, the question that answers just about everything. And we're focusing on this because life is complicated, especially these days. And as a church, we just want to help. And I actually hope that this question becomes the filter through which you evaluate every invitation, every opportunity, and every decision. Because this question will reduce the tears that you cry, the stress in your life. It'll save you money and time and a lot of regret. And the question is this, in all of these things, what is the wise thing to do? And we've kind of teased it out into basically a three-dimensional question. In light of my past experience, my current circumstances, and my hopes and dreams for the future, what is the wise thing for me to do? Because my past experience is different than yours, and yours is different than mine. In light of my current circumstances and my stage of life, uh, what's going on right now around me, and in light of my hopes and dreams for the future, not what is the right thing or the legal thing or what is the least I can get by with. The question is, what is the wise thing to do? And I've given the same homework assignment each week that with every invitation and opportunity and decision, whether you act on it or not, to just pause and say, okay, if I were interested in doing the wise thing, what would the wise thing be to do? You owe it to yourself to at least know the answer. And in most cases, you're going to know the answer as soon as you stop to ask it. Now today, we're going to apply this question to two specific areas. And then next week, a little heads up, Make sure if you have younger children that they're busy doing something else. Uh, teens and young adults, for sure, they shouldn't miss. Uh, it, next week's going to be a little bit spicy. If you're a college student, definitely please be here because next week is one of those areas that you have the most difficult time applying this principle, but it is also the area that will save you the most heartache and regret. Now, today we're going to talk about the wise use of time. Now, Job in the Old Testament, this is what he had to say about time. Job says, a person's days are determined. You have decreed, God, the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. So Job and the other Old Testament writers believe that God sort of set a time limit on everybody's life. Now, you may or may not believe that, but here's what we all know. Your time is running out, right? My time's running out. I mean, someone turned the hourglass over, the, the week glass, the year glass. I mean, tomorrow is the 1st of June, 2020. The year is almost half over. Uh, just so you know, it's less than six months to Thanksgiving. You're welcome. Our time is running. Ultimately, it's running out. We have a limited amount of time. It's like, aren't you glad that you joined us today to be cheered up and encouraged? At some point, your time runs out, which means this. Your time is your most valuable asset. It's the most valuable thing that you have because there's not going to be any more of it. You can make more friends. You can make more money. You cannot make more time. So if ever there was an area that we need to ask the question, it has to be with our time. Because most of us are old enough already to be able to look back at a certain season of our life and we think, man, I wasted so much time. I wish I'd spent the time better. And to get us all emotionally connected and on the same page, I want to make four observations about time that underscore how crucial it is that this question gets asked as it, gets, as it relates to your time. Now, if you're not a Christian or a religious person, everything I'm about to say is still so applicable. You don't have to be a Christian to apply this. But if you are a Christian, a Jesus follower, 
And if God is personal to you, then this is mandatory because we believe that every good and perfect thing comes from the Father. And our time and our, our time and our opportunity is stewardship. Everything comes from and belongs to God, and we manage it. Our time is one of those things. So here's four observations to move us all in the same direction. The first one is investing small amounts of time over time is cumulative. Investing small amounts of time over time is cumulative. And most of you get this. If you exercise 30 minutes a day, three or four days a week, week after week, year after year, it's cumulative. It adds up to something, right? If you have a family and you eat dinner at home with your kids three or four nights a week, week after week, year after year, it's cumulative. It builds up. If you eat right week after week, year after year, it's cumulative. If you begin at age 18, saving $100 a month every month until you're 60, at an average rate of return, you'll have approximately $304,000. Why? Because it's cumulative, and we all wish we'd have done that. Now, if you have a quiet time or you open God's Word, you pray day after day after day, it becomes a habit. Just a few minutes every single day, it has a cumulative effect. Attending one church service isn't generally life-changing. It's participating week after week after week. It's cumulative. Over time, these things build up and they add up. But there's no benefit in one installment, and there's generally no consequence in missing one. That's why it's so easy for you to talk yourself out of exercising, right? Because somebody calls you or sends you a text like, hey, let's go do such and such, which sounds fun, and you were planning to work out, and what do you say? Well, missing one time won't hurt anything. And you're right. In fact, missing one installment of just about anything doesn't hurt anything. And making one installment doesn't help in anything. I mean, you haven't exercised in a long, long time. You decide to go work out. After one workout, no matter how good it is, no one's going to be walking up to you going, wow, something looks so different, right? Because one installment of exercise doesn't really make any difference. It's constant deposits over time. And in the areas of life that matter most, it's those simple constant, consistent deposits to make all the difference in the world. They're cumulative. The second observation is neglect is cumulative as well. In other words, if my goal is to not exercise 30 minutes a day, three days a week for a year, that's cumulative as well. If your goal is to not eat healthily three or four days a week for a year, three or four days a week for a year, that's cumulative. If you neglect your relationships, your kids, your spiritual life, your quiet time, if you drop out of church, you know, my goal is to not go to church 50 out of 52 weeks. Well, that's cumulative. The problem is, as you know, neglect is easy, right? And neglect is costly because it's small deposits over time in the areas of life that matter most that makes all the difference. And when we choose to neglect what's important, which is easy, it is costly, I mean, if you think investing in your health is too time-consuming, even though it's not that much time, just wait till you get to the point where something happens to you physically or with your health that could have been avoided, and then you're going to be forced to face the expense and the time and the distractions that you're going to have to deal with, as well as those closest to you. Some of you, you've seen this with your parents or your grandparents who just never took care of themselves physically, and now they would give anything to be able to go back and eat better and exercise or you, you've stood by the grave of a parent or a grandparent that died way too soon because they were just simply unwilling to eat better and to exercise more. At the same time, you can neglect your spiritual health, your spiritual life. You just get too busy for God, too busy for church, too busy for community. I, I used to read my Bible or pray regularly, but I'm too busy now. 
But then a crisis comes up and all of a sudden you're wishing you could go back because you realize God seems very far from me. In fact, I'm not sure any of this is real anymore. It's always easier to neglect, but it's also always very costly in the areas of life that matter most. The third observation is random, has no cumulative values. Now, let me illustrate it this way. If in this hand, you were to put 30 minutes a day, week after week, year after year of exercise, that would add up to something. However, if in this hand, you were to put all the things that you chose to do instead of exercising, this would add up to nothing when it comes to improved physical health. In fact, what did you do last year instead of exercise? You have no idea because it's not cumulative. You can't point to any one thing. Well, I slept in. Well, what do you have for all that sleeping in? Nothing. Or I got up and I got caught up doing email. Well, what do you have for that? Nothing. Or I worked a few extra hours. Well, what do you have for the things, all the things that you did instead of the things that were important when it came to your physical body? Nothing. There's no cumulative value. If you're married with kids, if you take all the things that you did instead of having dinner with your family, well, I just worked late. What does that add up to in building a relationship with your family? It adds up to nothing because you neglected the important things for a bunch of random things. And when you add up random, you get random. If you want to be great at a musical instrument, it's at least 20 minutes a day, every day, five days a week. Well, what did you do instead of practice? Let's take all the things that you did instead of practicing your musical instrument. What does it add up to towards your musical ability? Nothing, because random isn't cumulative. Now, the fourth observation in the areas that matter most is that you cannot make up for misspent time. Listen, after 51 years on this earth, I can confirm in the areas that matter most, you cannot make up for misspent time. You can't pull an all-nighter. In school, we could pull an all-nighter and catch up. You were in high school or college, you'd not been making consistent investments of time in studying, in studying and some exam or midterm comes up, what'd you do? You did what we all did. You stayed up all night. You tried to get samples of old exams and old tests and you did your best and you made a C because you told yourself C's get degrees. And, and that can work in other areas of life as well. I mean, getting ready for a presentation or a meeting. You know, you're supposed to lead the meeting. Oh my gosh, I forgot. So you get there an hour early and you cram and you do a pretty good job. In fact, people go, man, that was spectacular. And you're like, man, I'm going to procrastinate all the time. In fact, some of you'd say, I work better under pressure. But you need to understand, the way God made life to work, you cannot cram. You cannot do an all-nighter to make up for the most important areas of life. You cannot cram for good health. You cannot cram to have a good relationship or good friendships or a good marriage. You can't cram with a relationship with your kids or to have financial health and freedom. It is consistently investing small amounts of time over time. And the time comes and the time goes. And if it's misspent, you can't go back and get it back and make up for lost time in the areas of life that matter most. But we try. You know, let's say we've been neglecting our body. We've been quarantined from the gym for three months, even though we hadn't really stepped foot much in a gym for the year prior or the year before that. And you feel guilty, you're feeling fluffy, you're feeling lethargic. And you're like, okay, I'm going to make up for all the lost workout time. I'm going to get rid of this COVID-10 or this COVID-15 with a mega workout. So you go to the gym, you do like every machine twice, like and you just lift like crazy. You do a mega workout. And then the next morning, your body sends you a message. And the message is, you're an idiot. 
You cannot make up for months of lost gym time with a mega workout. Or maybe you see somebody running and you think, you know what? I need more cardio. I should do that. Or I need to start jogging again. So you lace up one day and you run about five times further than you should. And then you can barely walk for two weeks. Why? Because cramming for misspent time in the areas of life that matter most does not work. It may have worked in school or with exams. It may work with a presentation. It does not work in relationships. It generally doesn't work financially. And it does not work out with spiritual maturity because you cannot rush or cram for maturity. In the most important areas of life, it takes constant small deposits of time over time. And now if this is the way the world works, and if there really is a God that Jesus introduced to us as a heavenly father that loves us, what would God say to us on this topic? And it's exactly what you would expect. And it's why if you don't, you should begin to read your Bibles. But again, don't go. You know, he's right. I haven't read my Bible in like a year or years. I'm, I'm going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to cram. I'm going to make up for lost time. Don't do that either. Small deposits of time over time. But here's what the Apostle Paul says, that God says, as it relates to time. And this is the passage that we began this series with, and it's the essence of what this time principle is all about. He says, be very careful then how you walk or how you live not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. And of all the things that he could have applied as he talks about wisdom, the Apostle Paul decides to reference specifically the use of time because he understood time is life. Time equals life. Time is your most valuable asset. You can't save it up. When you run out, you're out. It's over. So he says, you've got to be absolutely careful about how you use your time. And this little phrase, making the most of, uh, making the most literally means to redeem or to get full value out of. He says, as you consider what you do with your limited time, redeem it. Make sure you're getting full value for your time because the days are evil. And his warning then is the same warning now. 2,000 years, it's the same. His point is this. If I just simply spend my time the way culture would have me spend it, if I spend my time the way my appetites would have me spend it, if I simply pick up my feet and just allow myself to be carried by the current of culture and what's happening around me, culture is going to focus you and focus me on now, not later. The current of culture is not going to lead us to pause and consider what's happened in our past or make us want to look ahead. It's all about now. It's it's like, does it really matter if I read my Bible today? Does it really matter if I miss community today or tonight? Does it really matter if I miss another weekend at church? Does it really matter that I don't work out today? Does it really matter if I skip the salad and eat this beautiful triple cheeseburger right now? It's all about now. Missing one installment will not matter, and yet for many of us, it leads to neglect that becomes ongoing neglect. It leads to habits that become destructive habits, and we end up looking back and wondering how we wasted so much, not just of our time, but of our life. So Paul, writing to Christians, but everybody can play, but Christians especially, be careful. Don't walk like it doesn't matter, or I'll make up for it later. Not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity, redeeming the time. Because if you don't, you're going to look back on this stage of life that you're in right now 
whether it's high school or college or starting your first job or engaged or early married or you've got a couple kids, maybe you're empty nesters now or you've even got grandkids, whatever stage of your life you're in right now, you'll look back and you'll think, how could I have been so foolish to have wasted that much time? So here's the question for you. Where do you need to begin making consistent deposits of time right now? Starting today, tomorrow at the latest, what area or areas of your life do you need to begin making consistent deposits of time starting now? So stringing this all together in light of your past experience, your current circumstances, your hopes and dreams for the future, where do you need to begin making consistent deposits of time physically, relationally, professionally, spiritually? The, the truth is some of you have developed some bad habits, right? Some of you have racked up some debt. Some of you have damaged some relationships. Some of you, and I'm not trying to be cruel, the opposite really. Some of you are just flat out out of shape. For, for some of you, it's been a very long time since you engaged in any kind of spiritual discipline or spiritual exercise. In light of where you've been, where you are now, and where you want to be in the future, what do you need to not cram where do you need to begin making small daily deposits to be wise in the use of your limited, precious time? All of us have a picture of where we want to be relationally. Most of us have a picture of where we would like to be spiritually, having greater faith or greater engagement with God or greater understanding. Most of us know where we'd like to be in the future as it relates to our finances or our health. So in light of those things, where do you need to begin making small deposits of time in light of where you want to be in the future? Some of us, and I would be the some of us, have lived long enough to be able to look back and to see the benefits of doing this, as, also to, as well to see and experience the consequences of not doing this. Uh, when my sons were uh, growing up, there was always this tension. I was uh, in a vocation that could easily eat 50, 60, 70 hours a week. And my vocation was all about helping people and serving God. So I could have easily justified being out every night and working endless hours. I mean, how do you argue with, I'm on a mission from God? I mean, I never would have said that. But, but very early on, I, I read biographies of, of pastors, of individuals doing what I was looking to do and how later in their lives, their marriages were basically contractual if the marriage lasted at all. There was no love, no joy, no real connection, no physical intimacy. Many had children that just simply went off the rails because the children had always come second to dad's vocation, his job, his so-called calling. One of the best decisions I made early on was that I would limit the number of nights that I would be out, and I limited the number of out-of-town conferences and opportunities that I would accept. I almost was, because I was able, almost always pick my boys up from school most nights, especially when our boys were younger, I would make dinner while Shauna helped uh, the boys with their homework because there's never been any doubt she's always been the smarter one. I was a better cook. Don't tell her I said that. I, I also took the lead when it came to planning getaways for just me and my wife. I was super hard lined about my kids being in bed and staying in bed by around 8.30, even in the middle school. So that way my wife and I had regular time in the evening just for the two of us. I made sure I regularly planned small trips for our whole family, especially camping trips. Every October around Columbus Day, I'd pull our kids out of school for several days to, for an extended weekend. We'd take an extended camping trip to the Ozark Mountains of southeast Missouri. 
And one year I planned a two and a half week adventure where we camped our way from Missouri to California and back. And it was awesome. But the truth is there was always a tension. There was always an internal struggle where the temptation was to invest more into my vocation and my career than my marriage and my family. And there are a lot of things and opportunities that I gave up and sacrificed. But do you know how many of them that I remember and regret? Not one. What I do remember and find joy in are those priceless memories and awesome videos and pictures of my wife and I or my whole family adventuring and spending time and having fun together. What I cherish is the ability to have a Zoom call with my sons and their mom this past Mother's Day and having a daughter-in-law and one of their girlfriends join us as well and us reflecting on memories of growing up and all the things that we did as a family and laughing so hard my wife could hardly breathe and she was just crying. What I thank God for is the depth of relationship and love and joy and excitement and adventure that I have with my wife now, even after 30 years. It's beyond anything I could have imagined. And none of that happened by accident. And it didn't happen by cramming or by trying to make up for lost time. Rather, it happened by making consistent deposits of time. It happened by saying no to a lot of good opportunities to have something greater. And looking back, I wouldn't give anything for our relationship. In fact, if I could go back, I would have given even more consistent deposits. Because here's what I've seen with so many families. And if you're in this situation, I promise I'm not trying to stir things up and I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just trying to help point you in a better direction. In the areas of life that matter most, in most cases, you can't make up for it later. You cannot cram for a relationship your physical health, your spiritual maturity, all of these things. Take consistent deposits of time over time, and this is the time to begin. So as I've been talking, as I went through all these different things, what comes to mind? Where do you need to begin? In what area or areas of your life do you need to begin making small deposits of time starting now? Putting this all together in light of your past experience, your current circumstances, and your hopes and dreams for the future, where do you need to begin making small deposits of time over time? And you probably already know the answer. And I deeply hope with your future at stake, with your future relationships at stake, with such a high price to pay, that you will make the most of your time. And if you do, in the next season of life, you will look back on this season and you will be so glad that you did. But the decision is up to you. Let's pray. Father, I, I just thank you for the chance to talk about this. I pray for every single one of us, for myself, for everyone that's listening or watching right now. I pray, God, that you would help us to see very clearly what that next step is. I also thank you that when Jesus left this earth, that he promised that he wasn't leaving us alone, but that he would send a helper that he referred to as the Holy Spirit. So I pray for every single one of us that have put our faith in you and our faith in a resurrected Jesus and follow him, that Father, by the, your spirit, that you will give us the strength that we simply don't have to take those steps consistently forward, that you will partner with us to lead us, to guide us, to prod us, to move us forward, and to direct us to where you ultimately want us to go, which is what we want for ourselves. God, I pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.